We all love to get out on the open road, see the country, feel the wind in our hair. But if you have the same car you've been driving for years, you might not feel so great after a car breakdown, unless you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield is America's most trusted vehicle protection company, and for almost 20 years, they've helped Americans protect their out-of-warranty vehicles. From car and trucks to SUVs, a plan through CarShield can protect up to 5,000 parts and systems and save you big dollars on your engine, transmission, entertainment system, and more. It's as easy as going to carshield.com Shapiro. With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service, as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to carshield.com Shapiro now. That's carshield.com Shapiro to save 20% today. Old Joe Biden launches his campaign. Democrats target President Trump with investigations galore. And the clown princes of the right botch a hit on Pete Buttigieg. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, Joseph R. McBiden. He now has the lead in all the polls and he is gaining ground. We'll talk about that in just one second. First, Let's talk about the post office. Nobody really has time to go to the post office. You're busy. Who's got time for all that traffic, parking, lugging all your mail and packages? It's a real hassle, which is why you need Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts you can't get even at the post office. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office directly to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It is that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp, up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com, which is why I use Stamps.com and Daily Wire use Stamps.com, and I encourage you to use Stamps.com right now. My listeners get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com, enter Shapiro, and try it out. I promise you, you're going to save yourself time and money. Okay, so yesterday was the big moment for Joe Biden. He has been waiting all his life for this. And by all his life, I mean since 1862, when Joe Biden first ran for president. He ran for president in 1988 when I was four years old. (laughs) He ran for president again in 2008 when I was, I guess, 24 years old. And now he is running again. And this time he is leading the pack. Why is he leading the pack? Well, obviously because he was Barack Obama's vice president. That means he has 100% name recognition. Now, it is worthwhile noting that vice presidential candidates, the people who come back from the vice presidency and then run again, it doesn't go great for them historically. It doesn't go great for them right off the bat historically. In 2003, in 2003, Joe Lieberman was the actual Democratic frontrunner in early polling data from April 2003. Remember, it is super early still. It is still April, a year before the primaries begin. So we are still almost two years out from the actual national election. It's pretty rare that somebody holds a wire-to-wire lead under these circumstances. John Kerry didn't even in 2004. At this point in the race, Howard Dean was ahead by most national polling. And then, of course, Howard Dean imploded. Joe Lieberman, as I say, was ahead 
as of 2003, and then Joe Lieberman started to fade, and then Howard Dean took over in 2000, late 2003, early 2004, and then he fell apart. Wesley Clark had a lead in that race. In 2008, at this point, Hillary Clinton was the prohibitive favorite. Hillary Clinton was by far the prohibitive favorite. And then, of course, Barack Obama came out of nowhere and stole her nomination. In 2012, Mitt Romney was the leader at the very beginning. He ended up being the leader in the clubhouse. But in the middle of 2012, he lost the lead several times. Newt Gingrich jumped into the lead at one point. There there are a bunch of people who had the lead for a brief little while in 2012. Herman Cain had the lead for a brief little while in 2012. In 2016, Donald Trump was not the wire-to-wire leader. Jeb Bush had the lead for a little while. Trump eventually spiked into the lead and then stayed there because of that 100% name recognition and because all of his all of his negatives had already been priced in. So is Joe Biden more like Joe Lieberman? Is he more like John Kerry? Is he more like Howard Dean? Is he more like Hillary Clinton? Like, who does he look like? I would say that he looks most like Hillary Clinton. He looks most like Hillary Clinton circa 2008. Why? Because he was an establishment pick, a well-established establishment pick with some pretty high negatives when he gets out on the campaign trail. The reason that Biden has flamed out repeatedly in presidential races is because he's not actually a very good campaigner. He's good when he's campaigning for somebody else, because if he's campaigning for Barack Obama, you're like, oh, there's old jokey Joe campaigning for the much more serious Barack Obama. But when Joe Biden campaigns on his own behalf, he is not seen as a particularly serious fellow. Now, maybe the age, maybe the fact that he has served as vice president for eight years militates against that. But I've been saying for a while, I will continue to maintain, I think that he is a weaker candidate than most people believe he is at this point. If you are taking the polls for granted at this point, I think that you're getting a little bit bamboozled. That said... He might be more durable than I think. And it's also possible that his name recognition carries him to victory in a field that has one million candidates. Well, right now, here's what the polls are showing. So Biden did get a significant bounce out of his campaign rollout. Yesterday, I had suggested that he had not. It turns out that the new polls show I was wrong. He does have a significant bounce. Biden announced his bid last Thursday. He held his first rally on Monday in Pittsburgh. He is now the first choice of more than a third of those who plan to participate in their state's Democratic primary or caucuses, according to the Morning Consult. 36% of Democratic voters say they prefer Joe Biden as the party's nominee. That is a six-point increase. That gives him a 14-point lead over Senator Bernie Sanders, who maintains at 22% overall. Elizabeth Warren is starting to see a little bit of a boost. She is following at 9%, followed closely by Mayor Pete Buttigieg at 8%, Kamala Harris at 7%, and Beto O'Rourke at 5%. Basically, that grouping is well behind both Biden and Bernie. And then, of course, you have all of the sort of fringe contenders. Cory Booker has 3%. Klobuchar and Andrew Yang both have 2%. And then, of course, and then you have Kirsten Gillibrand, who has 0%, because nobody wants Kirsten Gillibrand. That's always a given. All of these polls will show that only Kirsten Gillibrand's immediate family wants Kirsten Gillibrand to be president. There are interesting cleavages in these polls. So Biden's lead among white voters, 34% to 26%, is much smaller than his overall advantage. He has a commanding lead with black voters, 44% to 20%, 44% for Biden, 20% for Bernie, and Harris at 10%. Among Hispanic voters, Biden is leading Sanders by a slim margin, only 30 to 27. So basically, the entire lead for Joe Biden, or a great majority of the lead for Joe Biden, is with black voters. That's deeply important because obviously that's how Barack Obama won the nomination in 2008 over Hillary Clinton. Hillary won white voters running away. Barack Obama won black voters running away as well. The difference is that 60% of the Democratic base in a lot of southern states is black voters. So Joe Biden is heavily relying on that minority vote. Now, if Barack Obama came out and endorsed Joe Biden, it's a foregone conclusion he's the nominee in all likelihood. But if he doesn't endorse Joe Biden, 
then there's going to be a lot of talk about Joe Biden's various racial quandaries. The fact is that Joe Biden has a long record. That record will become the subject of Kamala Harris's attacks and Cory Booker's attacks in particular. They are hoping to steal away that 44% of black support that Joe Biden has in those polls. Biden also has the support of nearly half of seniors, 65 and older, with 48%. Sanders is doing very poorly with those older voters. Those older voters tend to be a little bit more moderate, which is why Sanders is even running behind Buttigieg among seniors 65 and older. So basically, old people and black folks really like Joe Biden, and everybody else sort of favors Bernie, or is at least very close to favoring Bernie. Biden leads Sanders by nine points among men, 33 to 24. He has an 18-point lead among women, 38% to 20%. In other words, it looks like the Democratic Party base is not the Twitter base. But the question is, who is going to be running the show when it comes to the actual primary voting? Who's going to be running the show when it comes to the campaign? Is it going to be all the moderates who supposedly were going to show up and put Hillary Clinton over the top in 2008? Or is it going to be the Bernie bros? Remember, Bernie Sanders did not poll nationally on a comparable level with Hillary Clinton in 2016. And yet he won an enormous number of primaries. He won an enormous number of delegates. That's because, number one, Hillary was not a good candidate. And number two, because the people who tend to show up to the polls in outsized numbers are the most excited people. And those excited people tend to be young white millennials. Those are the people who tend to show up in primary voting for Democrats. Older folks don't tend to show up as much in primary voting. And black folks don't tend to show up as much in primary voting. Biden had a six-point bounce that tied Sanders for the largest bump that Morning Consult has measured around a candidate's announcement. Immediately after Sanders launched his campaign, he vaulted six points and trailed Biden narrowly 29% to 27%. So Biden is the front runner for now. That Morning Consult weekly White House poll has a slight drop for Pete Buttigieg, who may be maxing out. It may be that Pete Buttigieg's momentum has stalled a little bit and that Biden jumping in is picking up all of the moderate momentum at this point. That Biden pickup of six is coming from Sanders, who lost two, Buttigieg, who lost one, Harris, who lost one, O'Rourke, who lost one. So that is that is pretty interesting. Biden is strongest with black women. With black women, he is doing exceedingly well. He has 47% of the black female vote as compared with 18% for Bernie Sanders and 17% for other. But it's still, as I say, extremely early in the game. Extremely early in the game at this point. So for all the people who are already saying, well, you know, Biden's got this thing locked up. I don't really see that. So Joe Biden did his campaign launch yesterday. He was in Pittsburgh and he was speaking at a union hall. This is going to be his chief argument. His chief argument, as the International Association of Firefighters guy who announced him said, his chief argument is I'm the guy who is most likely to beat Trump. Now, I have said for years, I think that's true. I think Joe Biden is the candidate most likely to defeat President Trump because he is a guy who has a blue collar feel, a long record. He's a person who is perceived as more moderate and more comfortable. He can run a back to normalcy 1920 Warren G. Harding style campaign. All he has to do is stand there. People have a, a level of familiarity with him that they don't have with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is kooky and scary, whereas Joe Biden is kooky and not nearly as scary. So in a general election, that's the case. If Joe Biden makes it through the primaries, I think he is a formidable challenger for President Trump. My big question is, does he make it through the primaries, considering that the excitement in the primaries is everything? That excitement in the primaries, the ability to mobilize people in Iowa, in New Hampshire, for example, that means an awful lot. There are new polls out of New Hampshire, by the way, that show Biden vaulting into the lead in New Hampshire. Elizabeth Warren is picking up no new support in New Hampshire, which means that she's got a problem on her hands. But Biden, according to the latest poll in New Hampshire, the Boston Globe, Suffolk poll, 
shows that Biden has 20%, followed by Bernie Sanders at 12 and Buttigieg at 12. So Buttigieg has been gaining. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren is still stuck at 8%. None of these numbers are prohibitive, however. Because remember, the, the national polls don't matter nearly as much as the primary polling. In the primary polling, Biden has a very narrow lead over Bernie Sanders in Iowa. In New Hampshire, he has a slight lead over Bernie Sanders in the poll average. In the poll average, he's got maybe one point on Bernie Sanders. In South Carolina, he seems to have opened it up. South Carolina is where Biden has an advantage, again, because Iowa and New Hampshire are disproportionately white, and South Carolina is disproportionately black in terms of the voting delegations. So the real question of the election is going to be, do you start to see black support wane for Joe Biden as his record is reviewed and as Barack Obama doesn't endorse him? We'll get to Joe Biden actually jumping in, what he had to say and what his campaign looks like in just a second. First, some topics in life are just uncomfortable to talk about. Sex is one of those things. But sex is also one of the most important things in life, especially within the context of marriage. Studies show that 70% of dudes who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it for just that reason. It can be awkward to discuss. But sometimes things just don't work the way they're supposed to. And that's not something to be ashamed about. That's just something to get solved. And that's where our friends at Roman come in. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor, get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where you can chat with a licensed U.S. physician who can treat ED and, if safe and appropriate, ship medication directly to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com Ben, complete that online visit, chat with the doctor, and if the doctor decides it would be safe and appropriate, they will ship genuine medication directly to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Dudes, go online, get checked out by the doctor. ED can be embarrassing to talk about, but it really shouldn't be. With Roman, it's really simple to tackle, so take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com Ben. That is GetRoman.com Ben. For a free online visit, GetRoman.com Ben. Go check them out. Get the problem solved, dudes. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Just get it solved. GetRoman.com Ben. All right, so Joe Biden launches his campaign, and one of the chief problems for Joe Biden is that he happens to be quite old, and because he is quite old, he's 77 years old come the time of the election, that means that he's kind of slurring his words out there. His, J- Donald Trump wants to label Joe Biden Sleepy Joe, which frankly I think is bad branding because Joe Biden's entire campaign is, I'm a normal guy you can trust. Labeling him Sleepy Joe, like Trump being high energy versus Biden being low energy is actually not something that cuts in Trump's favor because I think that Biden's basic appeal right now is, guys, we need a breath, we need a break. I mean, this is just too crazy. It would have been much better if, if he had gone with Obama Joe, you know, something that labels Joe Biden as part of the Obama team, but he's not doing that. In any case, it is true that, that Joe Biden is an old dude, and that is something that is likely to come up in this election cycle, particularly in the primaries, where he's running against a bevy of younger candidates, and even Bernie Sanders, who seems more energetic than Joe Biden. Here is Joe Biden yesterday at the Teamsters Temple, number 249 in Pittsburgh, slurring his words. I want to thank... Uh... Uh, Rich Fitzgerald, the county executive, Allegheny County executive, being here. And all my time in public life, from I've gotten involved, the country wasn't built by Wall Street bankers, CEOs, and hedge fund managers. If the enterprise hit hard times, everybody took a hit. Union workers, the UAW took incredible cuts in their future and their, and their pensions and the left to get GM working. They also got that last year. Okay, so, I mean, he, he is slurring his words. His age is going to be an issue, just like it was an issue for Hillary Clinton. It will give Trump something to run against him on, although Joe Biden will likely look at Trump and say, listen, dude, you're like three years younger than I am. Uh, Effectively speaking, this will be a bunch of old people clubbing each other for nominations and then the presidency. It's a walker fight. 
So stock up on tennis balls to make sure that those walkers move smoothly across the floor. I'm very much looking forward to old people clubbing each other to death for the presidency of the United. When will the boomers leave us alone? Like, honestly, like, my, my parents are boomers. There are some very wonderful boomers. But can we like move beyond this? That would be kind of nice. In any case, so Joe Biden then launches his campaign. And the launch of his campaign is old themes. And the question for Americans is going to be, do we want to go back to the Obama era? Now, the way that the Democrats are going to play the Obama era is a time of peace and prosperity where we had a popular president and people came together. And then there's going to be a lot of folks who say, um, no, that's not what it was like at all. And so I think that you are going to see footage from President Trump of Ferguson on a loop. You're going to see footage from President Trump of the Dallas police shootings. You're going to see footage from President Trump of, of people who are impoverished during the Obama administration. He's going to talk about how the economy is much better. And that is Trump's chief appeal. I don't think that Trump can make the case that he has been a radically unifying president because I don't think that that's true. But the disunity started under Barack Obama. So any idea that Joe Biden is a unifying figure, I think, is, is simply not the case. Like He should be running with ads of Joe Biden suggesting that Mitt Romney was going to put black people back in chains. He should be running ads of Joe Biden saying that Obamacare was a big effing deal, combined with ads of Bernie Sanders saying that Obamacare is a disaster area. But Joe Biden's real appeal, it's really funny. The, uh, so Donald Trump's great appeal when he said, make America great again, is that he was appealing to an ideal. So Democrats, people on the left, they said, America was never great. How can he say America, make America great again? Like when? When there was segregation, when there was slavery? When was America greater than it is now? That's not what he meant by make America great again, as everybody intuitively understood. What Donald Trump meant is that there is a generalized feeling in the United States that we are more disunified than we have been any time in recent history, and that there used to be at least a common sense of purpose in the United States, and that common sense of purpose was moving toward integrating everyone properly, and that America was based on fundamentally good principles, and that we had left that during the Obama era. Well, now Biden is basically running Trump's campaign from 2016. He's now saying the Obama era was the apotheosis of unity. That wasn't true, but that's going to be his appeal. He's going to say that Donald Trump is even more disunifying than Barack Obama. So Barack Obama's period was a halcyon era of American unity. Now, I'm old enough to remember that. It's not true, but you're going to see Joe Biden make that claim. And that's why he was saying yesterday he's running to restore the soul of the nation. If you're looking for the soul of the nation in Joe Biden, let me suggest that you're looking in the wrong place. But here is Joe Biden's moral pitch. There are three basic reasons why I'm running for president of the United States. The first is to restore the soul of the nation. And the second is to rebuild the backbone of this nation. And the third is to unify this nation. We always do better when we act as one America. Yeah, well, I'm, again, old enough to remember when you were suggesting that Mitt Romney, the most anodyne, most antiseptic candidate in American history, you called that guy a, an, an incipient slave owner. So don't give me the unity routine, old Joe. But again, that's what he's going to be running on because when you are running a unity campaign against somebody as divisive as President Trump, you don't have to be the full unifier. All you have to do is be less divisive than President Trump, which actually is not all that hard a job. Remember, Hillary Clinton was divisive for years, long before she did this. Joe Biden is perceived as sort of doltish and cloddish, maybe accidentally ununifying. But I think that actually plays in his favor. Then Trump gets to policy. And Trump's policy is more moderate than the Democratic base. And so Joe Biden will be attacked not only on his history in terms of race, but he will be attacked in terms of his own policy. So Joe Biden has sort of a, a bizarre combination of policies. He is, is running an old school Democratic campaign 
at the same time suggesting that Donald Trump's tax cuts should be repealed, but also it's time to start rewarding work, which is an odd thing since some 80% of Americans received a tax cut under President Trump's tax cuts. I should know, I am not one of them. Here's Joe Biden deriding Trump's tax cuts, but then saying that hard work should be rewarded. It's time to start rewarding work over wealth. Just the first step is reverse President Trump's tax cut for the very wealthy and corporations. We need to eliminate these special tax breaks in the tax code that reward special interests. Let's get rid of capital gains loopholes for multimillionaires. Warren Buffett said it best. He should not pay a lower tax rate than the secretary has. I'm going to change that so millionaires and billionaires don't pay lower taxes than firefighters, teachers, and I go on and on. We need to reward work in this country, not just wealth. Okay, well, this is just sheer statistical nonsense. Of course, the vast majority of taxes are paid by wealthy folks. My effective tax rate was close to 50% last year. So, no. I mean, this is just a bunch of nonsense. Nonetheless, this is this is him making an old school Democratic pitch with a little bit of Bernie Sanders flavor. I'm not sure that the purists in the Democratic Party won't just say, "Okay, well, why wouldn't I just go with Bernie then? Why wouldn't I just go pure? Biden then makes the case. I mean, this is all lies. Here's Biden suggesting that you got nothing from Trump's tax cuts. That is just simply untrue. Again, the vast majority of Americans received a tax cut. And again, I should know I am not one of them. Here's Joe Biden making this case. The middle class is hurting. It's hurting now. The stock market is roaring, but you don't feel it. There was $2 trillion tax cut last, last year. Did you feel it? Did you get anything from it? Of course not. Of course not. All of it went to folks at the top and corporations that pay no taxes. The basic bargain that used to exist that Democrats and Republicans used to agree to has been broken. And that is if you contribute to the welfare of the enterprise you work for, you got to share in the benefits and the profits. Okay, that is not true. Everybody still agrees that you get to share in the in the profits. That is why everyone in the private sector has left unions, because they felt like the better chance of getting a raise was not to be part of a union that was going to drive down the profit margins of these various businesses, which is why the biggest businesses in America in America are not unionized. And it's not all that hard to get a union started under the National Labor Relations Act. The fact is the government benefits unions. That act is still in full force. And if companies try to quash unions, that is punishable by law. Joe Biden, however, is making the same sort of case that Donald Trump made. I wonder if that works in the current economy. Now, maybe it does because the media have been lying about the economy and suggesting that the economy is not all that good and that there's a huge number of Americans who are going without. Still, I, I think that that is, I wonder if that's going to be a convincing case. Finally, there is Joe Biden making the defense of Obamacare. And, and we'll get to, in a second, what Joe Biden's special vulnerabilities here are. Here was Biden saying we have to save Obamacare. Affordable health care was a huge step forward, the ACA, in our country. We made historic progress. Americans who don't, didn't have it before now have it, 22 million. We have to stop this administration's effort to gut it first, and then we have to move on and finish the job and make health care make healthcare a right. Healthcare is a right, not a privilege. We have to give everybody the peace of mind they deserve. Okay, so that's hilarious. He's now defending the ACA and he's calling it a step along the way. So the, the Obama administration was lying all those years. I'll explain in a second why this makes Joe Biden vulnerable. First, we all know moms are superheroes capable of pretty much anything. This Mother's Day, Tommy John is here to give her one more superpower, the superpower of comfort. Tommy John's breathable, cool cotton underwear keeps her two to three times cooler, four to five times drier, and they estimate eight to nine times more comfortable than regular cotton. Win Mother's Day right now 
with Tommy John. Both Tommy John's men and women's underwear support a no-wedgie guarantee, which would have helped me a lot in high school. Comfortable, stay-put waistbands, a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft and designed to move with you. Tommy John's Air Collection. It's made from lightweight, breathable fabric with seamless bonded edges. Comfort and invisibility, two superpowers for the price of one. Now, Mother's Day is coming up. Are you still looking for a gift she'll actually want? Give mom life-changing comfort this year with Tommy John. Their, their underwear is super comfortable, I know, because it graces my buttocks right now. Some of you might not be comfortable buying your mom or your wife underwear. Well, thankfully, they have a gift set featuring luxuriously soft loungewear and apparel that make the perfect present. Grab them early before they sell out. Plus, all Tommy John is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. So if you don't love that first pair, you get a full refund. Hurry over to TommyJohn.com right now. Use code BEN for 20% off your first order. That is code BEN for 20% off only at TommyJohn.com. That is TommyJohn.com. Go check them out right now. So, as I say, the big problem for Joe Biden is twofold. One, he is in fact Joe Biden, which means that he is gaff-tastic, dude gaffs all the time. And he says things that are offensive all the time. And the media have not been paying attention to it in his first couple of days, really. But I have a feeling that the backlash to Joe Biden as inevitable frontrunner is going to grow. We see this with almost every race. There's an inevitable frontrunner going in, and it's pretty rare the inevitable frontrunner wins. And when they do, they end up being so wounded in the primaries that it's hard for them to go forward in the general. Hillary Clinton is the person who most comes to mind. Inevitable frontrunners have a rough time. George W. Bush in 2000 was an inevitable frontrunner, and John McCain gave him a lot of trouble. So I don't think this is going to be an uncontested primary where Joe Biden just runs away with it. I don't think that Joe Biden's even capable of hobbling away with it. The other problem for Joe Biden is not just that he is gaftastic, but that he has a history. Modern American politics favors people who do not have histories. It favors people who don't have anything to apologize for. This is the big problem for Joe Biden, is that Joe Biden has a long and checkered history. He keeps apologizing and apologizing and apologizing. Is he going to be able to win a campaign based simply on apologizing over and over and over? Since the beginning of the year, this has pretty much been his apology tour. In January, he apologized for supporting criminal sentencing laws that helped drive down crime in the United States. He did so because those laws are now considered both passe and unwoke. People have said they're inherently racist. Never mind the fact that 1994 criminal sentencing reform actually resulted in the single greatest decline in American crime in history. It's actually something you should be proud of, but Biden has been running away of his own record. If you don't think Kamala Harris and Cory Booker are going to eat him alive on this, you're wrong. Which is why back in January, Biden was saying, I haven't always been right. I know we haven't always gotten things right, but I've always tried. He said that decisions about criminal justice reform trapped an entire generation. It was a big mistake when it was made. That's a pretty large change from 2016 when Biden told CNBC he wasn't ashamed at all for supporting criminal justice reform and bragged, quote, I drafted the bill. So if you don't think those will be campaign commercials directed against old Joe, you got another thing coming. And then, of course, weeks ago, as Biden prepped his presidential run, he approached Anita Hill. That's the woman who accused Justice Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment. Now, at the time, most Americans didn't believe Anita Hill in the same way most Americans did not believe Christine Blasey Ford and her meritless and baseless or evidence-free, at least, allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Joe Biden didn't even believe Anita Hill at the time. He told Arlen Specter, quote, it was clear to me from the way she was answering the questions, she was lying. Now, however, Biden has told Hill that he was sorry for what happened to you. That's because the left-wing agitprop over on HBO has suggested that Anita Hill is actually a martyr to the women's cause, despite the fact that she followed Justice Thomas from job to job, despite the fact that she had told, apparently, according to her friends, that they, she had told them that Justice Thomas was a good man and an illegal scholar. 
and that she had left him all sorts of messages soliciting his well-being, seeing how he was doing and all of this over the years. Now Joe Biden is going around apologizing to Anita Hill, but Anita Hill says, why would I accept your apology? You helped sink my case. Just three weeks ago, Biden issued another quasi-apology for his habitual invasion of women's personal space. It was weird grabbing of faces and touching of hair. He said the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. I'll be much more mindful. So here's the big problem for Joe Biden. All the things that make him attractive to moderates are all the things he's going to be apologizing for. This puts him between a rock and a hard place. If he had the courage not to apologize, he'd probably be better off. But the media are going to insist he apologize so that he is considered sufficiently woke. And that's why the New York Times has an entire piece today from Lucy Flores. Flores is the former state assemblywoman who was running for lieutenant governor of the state of Nevada and accused Joe Biden of smelling her hair. She has a, a huge piece in the New York Times today called Joe Biden and the Apologies That Weren't. And she says, the act of atoning may be difficult and complicated, but the concept is simple enough. You did something bad and it caused harm. A basic sense of decency urges you to take measures to, at worst, express how sorry you are, and at best, do something to right the wrong. On the other side of atonement, we find forgiveness. One does not happen without the other. History has shown us that both of these acts are difficult, and yet both are necessary to maintain a cooperative and functioning society. And then she talks about the Me Too movement and how women are still being put under the thumb. She says, powerful, rich, and famous men who acted with impunity, some for decades, were finally brought to some version of justice. And then there was Joe Biden, not a villain, not an unlikable person, not a sexual harasser or assaulter, but also, as Anita Hill recently found out, not exactly sorry either. I wrote about my own experience with Mr. Biden last month, about the time in 2014 he grabbed my shoulders, smelled my hair, kissed the back of my head, and soon after, other women came forward about their own experiences with uninvited and unwanted intimate behavior in professional settings. Even though his defenders reduced the behavior to hugging, it was not, and shifted the focus to his intent, it was good intent, and made up false political motives to shift the attention to me, she endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. Most reasonable people understand that this kind of behavior with women violates not just their bodily autonomy, but also demonstrates a lack of basic understanding of social norms. Most people acknowledge men don't usually kiss, smell, rub noses with, place their hands on the thighs of, or touch foreheads with random women they don't know. Yet some men do, especially powerful men who are protected by privilege and a crew of self-interested enablers who don't want to lose their access to power by calling out the obvious. If you don't think Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar or Kirsten Gillibrand are going to hit Biden with this, you are wrong. You'll be hit with all of these things. Lucy Flores concludes by suggesting he needs to seek atonement. So she says, if a candidate has taken some questionable positions or done or said some questionable things, we must ask, what have they done to show they've actually learned and evolved? Ultimately, the easiest way to fairly assess whether or not someone has truly learned, evolved, and atoned is to watch their actions. Because when people show you who they are, then we should believe them. And this is why Biden is going out there and trying to claim that he has apologized to Anita Hill. And Anita Hill is saying, I'm not interested in your apology. Here is Joe Biden on The View suggesting just that. He said, I take responsibility for how Anita Hill was treated actually on Good Morning America. I was chairman of the committee. I believed her from the very beginning. I, but I was chairman. She did not get a fair hearing. She did not get treated well. That's my responsibility. And I committed that I am determined to continue the fight, to see to it that we basically change the culture in this country where a woman is put in a position where she is disbelieved. As the committee chairman, I take responsibility that she did not get treated well. I take responsibility for that. Oh, do you take responsibility for that, Joe Biden? Because I have a feeling Anita Hill is not going to accept that. Anita Hill, I have a feeling, is also going to back Kamala Harris for president of the United States. So 
As I say, Joe Biden has a lot of vulnerabilities. Maybe those are all Twitter vulnerabilities. Maybe those are in-the-bubble vulnerabilities. Or it's possible that a lot of the in-the-bubble vulnerabilities eventually break out into the mainstream. Joe Biden has not faced an iota of opposition yet from the other candidates in the race. Not one iota. And so he is widely perceived as the most selectable. And when it comes to areas of, for example, if it comes to areas of, of his treatment of women in a general election, he will be able to point at Donald Trump and say, well, at least I'm not that. So I'm not sure he's super vulnerable in a general to all of that. But when it comes to his treatment of Anita Hill, when it comes to his racial history, when it comes to his, his own history of demonizing his opposition, when it comes to his own history of lying, the fact is that Joe Biden lies with a, with a straight face as well as any politician I've ever seen. I remember in 2012 when he was debating Paul Ryan, he was making things up. Paul Ryan didn't have the base of knowledge, particularly on foreign policy, to fight Joe Biden on this. But Joe Biden was making things up. I mean, talking about how the how the Syrians had been cast out of Lebanon, making up American history and Paul Ryan and then and then grinning his way through it like the Joker. I don't think Joe Biden is quite as likable as he seems right now, because this is day one. So come back to me in a couple months if Joe Biden is still leading. But don't tell me that right now he is leading and therefore he is the inevitable nominee. I have my doubts about that. Bernie Sanders, too, is going to be attacking Joe Biden. So Bernie Sanders, again, going to go after Joe Biden on his record. I'll show you that in just one second. First, it's spring. It's the time of year when seeds grow into flowers and you grow up financially, at least. Your family needs protection if something happens to you. That means you need life insurance. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to get that financial security without the growing pains. Policy Genius is the easy way to buy life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers and find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. No commissions, no hidden fees, just financial protection and peace of mind. No strings attached. And Policy Genius doesn't just simplify life insurance. They also make it easy to compare and buy home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. So next time you stop to smell the roses, pull out your phone, head over to PolicyGenius.com. Policy Genius. Spring is here. Kick it off by nipping life insurance in the bud. And by the way, do the responsible thing. Be a responsible human. If you should plot in a car accident tomorrow, make sure that your family is taken care of and you're not tossed into a pauper's grave like Mozart. Make sure that you are taken care of and your family has the money necessary to survive. It's part of being a responsible adult. Go get your life insurance. Policy Genius makes it super easy. Go over to policygenius.com and go check it out right now. Okay, in a second, I'm going to show you how Bernie Sanders is already opening the floodgates against Joe Biden. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you're going to have to go and subscribe over at dailywire.com. For $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription at Daily Wire. When you do, you get the rest of this show live. You get an additional two hours a day of this show. Yesterday, we had a bunch of great guests. We had Newt Gingrich on our, on our afternoon show. We also had Yisrael Goldstein, who's the rabbi who was shot in Poway, the, the Chabad Poway. We have great guests nearly every day, plus two more hours of my incisive and brilliant commentary. You get all that for $9.99 a month? Are you kidding me? That's amazing. It's so good, I would pay for that. Of course, then I'd be paying myself. I'd rather that you pay me. But go check it out right now for $9.99 a month. Also, for $99 a year, you get this. The very greatest in beverage vessels. Cast your eyes upon it and know that were this to be in your hand right now, you'd be infused with the power of Zeus. It's like Shazam, kind of. So go check that out right now. Also, check us out at YouTube and iTunes. Leave us a review. We always appreciate that because that's what makes us the top conservative podcast in America, the fastest growing podcast in America, the fastest growing radio show in America. Go give us a listen. We were the number two downloaded podcast in all of America, which means all of the world. As of last month, make us number one by going and telling your friends to listen to our show at YouTube and iTunes. Go check us out. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So as I say, better, much better for 
a candidate not to have a record than to have a record. This is what we find out from, from Barack Obama in 2008. Having a record means you get attacked over that record. So here is Bernie Sanders, who has no record. The nice thing about Bernie Sanders for Democrats, dude doesn't have a record. He's said a lot of stuff, but he's never done anything ever. He's not voted for anything. He's a useless old codger, a useless old commie. And so, but that gives him the, the ability to yell at Joe Biden a lot. So he slams Joe Biden over trade deals. The fact is that Joe Biden is trying to crib from Bernie Sanders' sheet when it comes to his populist outlook. Here's Bernie Sanders trying to crush Biden over it. I think when people take a look at my record uh, versus Vice President Biden's record, I helped lead the fight against NAFTA. He voted for NAFTA. I helped lead the fight against PNCR with China. He voted for it. I strongly oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He supported it. I voted against the war in Iraq. He voted for it. Okay, so obviously all of this is going to come up. And the Democratic base is going to have to deal with all of this. So he's going to get the Joe Biden is going to get the you're not radical enough. You're not committed enough. You're responsible for war in Libya. You're responsible for war in Syria. You were there for Obamacare, which is a giant fail. Joe Biden is going to be able to say Obamacare is great. And Bernie Sanders is going to look at him and say, "Uh, no, it's not. Medicare for all is great. And you want to say that you gave us a transition? You said Obamacare was the final step. In other words, there is a lot of dirt on Joe Biden. And none of it has yet really seen the light of day because it was all It was all glossed over by the beautiful candidacy of Barack Obama. Joe Biden is not a beautiful, inspiring candidate. Joe Biden is a confused old dude who says a lot of weird stuff and acts weird. So I I do not know that he is going to be able to simply waltz to the nomination as so many people think he is. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Again, I, I could be wrong. I was wrong about 2016 and Donald Trump's electability. But I do think that we have not yet begun to see this fight. Remember the date. It is still April of 2019. The first primaries are not going to happen for nearly a year. That is a long time for Joe Biden to fall apart on the stump. So for all of the talk about Joe Biden being a prohibitive or formidable frontrunner, I do not think that is correct. Okay, meanwhile, over in Venezuela, things are heating up again. So people sort of forgot about Venezuela after Juan Guaido, who is the Venezuelan opposition leader, declared himself the president of the country. And Nicolas Maduro, who's a dictator, declared no, not so much. And Juan Guaido has been under danger of arrest. Members of the military have have refused to join Juan Guaido's side. Well, now he is pushing toward the endgame, is Guaido. On Tuesday, he appeared with troops at a Caracas military base, announcing a final phase to remove Nicolas Maduro from office. It'd be great, by the way, for Venezuela, for Nicolas Maduro and his corrupt socialist evil regime to go. Juan Guaido is not a right winger by any stretch of the imagination, but at least he is not a full on socialist who is attempting to steal all the wealth for a privileged few while impoverishing the entire people. So here's what we know for now, according to the Washington Post. Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, National Security Advisor John Bolton have expressed U.S. support for the opposition. Maduro says that the military has remained loyal. Government leaders denounced a coup attempt by a reduced group of military officials and warned of a counterattack. So that is them saying, we're going to come in and maybe we'll slaughter our own troops. Guaido has urged supporters to take to the streets for nonviolent action and claims to have a list of names of military officials who support him. So we were, we're about to find out whether or not the people of Venezuela will rise up and whether the military is willing to fire on those people en masse. The one thing Maduro has done is ensured that his top levels are secure by bribing them effectively. According to the Washington Post, Guaido appeared early Tuesday to be staging a military-backed challenge to Maduro, issuing a video with troops that he said was recorded at a base in Caracas urging other soldiers to join the final stage of Operation Liberty meant to force the socialist leader 
from power. In a second, we'll get to more details. So Huido said, people of Venezuela, the end of usurpation has arrived. At this moment, I'm with the main military units of our armed forces starting the final phase of Operation Liberty. People of Venezuela will go to the street with the armed forces to continue taking the streets until we consolidate the end of usurpation, which is already irreversible. Meanwhile, Maduro's communications minister tweeted that the government was moving to confront a coup and was attempting to deactivate a reduced group of military officials who are traitors. So this could theoretically break into open warfare in the coming hours. Outside the La Carlotta military base in the eastern district of Altamira, where Guaido has asked supporters to assemble, people started to join Guaido's call to protest. They were met by tear gas canisters. Not clear who was firing the tear gas. Troops supporting Guaido appeared to be wearing blue armbands. Maduro said that the military is still loyal to him. He, he tweeted, steel nerves. I've talked to commanders in all the regions of the country. They've manifested their total loyalty to the people, the constitution, and the homeland. I call for maximum popular mobilization to ensure the victory of peace. We will win. They're trying to suggest that Huido is touching off violence with peaceful marches. The question is, who's going to fire the first shot? And if the first shot is fired, how this goes? And then the question becomes what American involvement should be. Should America be involved in this at all? Should they be providing armed support to Huido's military backers? Huido has called for nonviolent action. The video has the hallmarks of a significant military challenge. His claim has been recognized, Huido's claim has been recognized by nearly 60 nations, including the United States. The Russians have been pushing support into the country as well. Vice President Pence had tweeted, of course, to Juan Huido, the National Assembly, and all of the freedom-loving people of Venezuela who are taking to the streets today in Operación Libertad. Estamos con ustedes. We are with you. America will stand with you until freedom and democracy are restored. Vayan con Dios. And of course, Pompeo has expressed his support for it as well. So if violence breaks out, how much support? We should be providing as much support, in my view, as necessary, the same way we have provided support to the rightful opposition in Ukraine to Russian usurpation. Marco Rubio, the senator who has strongly backed Huido and been very vocal, he says this is the moment for those military officers in Venezuela to fulfill their constitutional oath and defend the legitimate interim president Juan Huido in this effort to restore democracy. You can write history in the hours and days ahead. It's, you know, th this, this is coming to a head. We will keep tabs on it. But the United States should, should, pro should provide whatever covert support short of actual head-on military intervention is necessary to preserve Guaido and help this opposition take power in Venezuela. Because Maduro is not only illegitimate, he is one of the worst dictators on the planet. He has reduced one of the most oil-rich nations on earth to a group of citizens eating dogs in the streets, which is horrifying in every way. And by the way, one of the reasons that you have, along with many other regimes in South America that, are, that have done a terrible job of governing a, a citizen in an immigration crisis moving toward South and Central America up through the American border. Meanwhile, Democrats continue to target President Trump. The incoming New York attorney general has declared basically that she wants Trump. This is prosecutorial misconduct. Honestly, to suggest that you are going after a person, not a crime, is prosecutorial mis misconduct. The goal of a prosecutor, the goal of police forces, is to detect a crime and then arrest the person responsible for the crime. It is not to target the person, then dig up the crime. It is easy enough for the police to trump up charges against anybody if you look long enough at everything that they are doing. Not that hard to find some violation of law. Well, now the New York Attorney General-elect, Letitia James, says that that's exactly what she's going to do. She's going to unfairly and in corrupt fashion target the President of the United States. She says that she is going to target Trump, his family, and anyone in his circle 
who may have violated the law. She says, we'll use every area of the law to investigate President Trump and his business transactions and that of his family as well. She wants to, she wants to investigate any potential illegalities involving Trump's real estate holdings. The June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. She wants to examine government subsidies Trump received. She wants to examine whether he's in violation of the emoluments clause in the U.S. Constitution. She wants to probe the Trump Foundation. She doesn't want to investigate anyone in his orbit who has, in fact, violated the law. The fact is that when you have prosecutors who are operating as freewheeling, targeting entities, this is, a, this is not rule of law. This is rule of men. And it is, this is evil. It, it really is. It's, it would be evil if a Republican prosecutor decided to investigate Barack and Michelle Obama just out of animus for Barack and Michelle Obama. Again, if you want to target the crime, that is one thing. That is a good thing. But the fact is that when you have state prosecutors who are targeting individual human beings and then trying to find a crime, that is an abuse of power, a serious abuse of power. And it's something that everybody should consider, right, left, and center. How would you feel if the government came after you and decided to pin a crime on you or to uncover a crime that you may have committed in the past, not based on them uncovering the crime, but based on their dislike for you? This is incredibly, incredibly dangerous stuff. It's so funny. People will suggest that when Donald Trump says lock her up about Hillary Clinton, that's out of animus for Hillary Clinton, and that's terrible and horrible. At least he's identifying a crime. Letitia James isn't even identifying a crime yet. She's saying, I hope I find a crime here, and I hate President Trump. That's an act of tremendous corruption, supreme corruption. And this is the problem with the government having this sort of power generally. You have to think about the sort of power that you hand to government because it could, in fact, be used against you. I mean, Trump should be, frankly, Trump should sue her for violation of, of civil rights based on these sorts of statements. Meanwhile, Deutsche Bank is already providing documents on, on Trump's financing to the New York state authorities. They're investigating and demanding records related to loans and lines of credit granted to the Trump organization. Trump is trying to sue Deutsche Bank to prevent Deutsche Bank from handing over those documents, saying this is outside the scope of the prosecution. Opposition Democrats are doing the same thing. This is unfair targeting unless they actually have some evidence of a crime. Now, is that illegal? It is not illegal, but it demonstrates that the American voters need to get serious about how they in implement their principles. If you are happy with prosecutors, whether they are in Congress or whether they are state's prosecutors like, like Letitia James, the New York AG, abusing their power to target individuals just because they don't like their politics, this is dangerous, dangerous stuff. Okay, time for some things that I like and then some things that I hate. So, Things that I like today. So uh, there was a video yesterday that, that emerged of Amag Peretz, who's a 34-year-old uncle who saved his niece during the Chabad of Poway shooting. He picked her up, ran her in the other room. He was an immigrant from Sterot. He had come over from Sterot, Israel. Sterot is, of course, the city which has been fired upon by Hamas rockets repeatedly. He was reunited with his niece yesterday. The video is really beautiful. And, and again... There, there are real heroes out there every day doing their best to save other people. Amog Peretz is one of them. There are many heroes at that particular congregation. It's well worth pointing out the heroes who were running to save children. One hero who ran unarmed at an armed man in an attempt to scare him away. A hero who pulled out a gun and shot at the, at the armed terrorist. There are heroes every day. And if you're a hero, uh, honestly, we need to arm ourselves. We really do. And I mean, every good person should be armed. Because this is, there, there are just too many evil people out there for there to be any alternative. Okay, other, okay, so let's see. So let's do some things that I hate. All right, so things that I hate today. 
This is just an awful story and demonstrates that when you are a nutcase driven by partisanship alone, you, you should, I mean, this is, this is jailable stuff. This is jailable stuff. So there's a story out today. There was, there was somebody who tried to put up a story suggesting that Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, had sexually assaulted a man in February. It turns out that this story was just a lie. And it was put together, allegedly, by Jacob Wool, who is just a gross human being, and Jack Berkman, another gross human being. In the aftermath of the Brett Kavanaugh saga, they tried to suggest that certain Democrats were responsible for sexual assault. They wanted to leverage the allegations and then suggest that, well, if you don't back this allegation even baselessly, then this just shows you're a hypocrite. And so they tried to come up with apparently false allegations against Democratic figures. Now they've tried the same thing with Pete Buttigieg, according to the Daily Beast. Quote, a pair of right-wing provocateurs are being engaged, are being accused of attempting to recruit young Republican men to level false allegations of sexual assault against Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg. The details of the operative's attempt emerged as one man suddenly surfaced with a vague and uncorroborated allegation that Buttigieg had assaulted him. The claim was retracted hours later on a Facebook page appearing to belong to the man. A Republican source told the Daily Beast that lobbyist Jack Berkman and internet troll Jacob Wool approached him last week to try to convince him to falsely accuse Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, of engaging him sexually while he was too drunk to consent. The source said that their goal was to kneecap Buttigieg's momentum in the 2020 presidential race. The man asked to remain anonymous out of a concern the resulting publicity might imperil his employment. And because he said Wool and Berkman have a reputation for vindictiveness, which of course is true. The source did provide the Daily Beast with surreptitious audio of the meeting, which corroborates his account. In it, Wool appears to refer to Buttigieg as a terminal threat to President Donald Trump's re-election next year. On Monday, a separate individual using the name of Hunter Kelly published a post on the site Medium on which he alleged that Buttigieg sexually assaulted him in February. That post was tweeted out by David Wool, Jacob's father, and quickly rewritten by the site Big League Politics, which is known as a landing ground for right-wing conspiracy theories. Kelly's supposed Medium and Twitter accounts both say they were created this month. His Facebook page included several posts lauding Trump and criticizing Hillary Clinton. And then it turns out that Kelly, when he was identified, said, I was unaware this was happening, but it is true that Wool and Berkman tried to drum up false sexual assault allegations against Buttigieg. Again, this is an act of evil. Trying to drum up criminal allegations against innocent people for political purposes is evil. That is evil stuff. And Wool and Berkman should go to jail for this. They should, I mean, if they were soliciting people to make false charges, if they were, that is obvious state-level criminality. Just disgusting. And Wool should have been thrown out of the movement long ago. I, I've always thought that he was. It's, this, is, this is insanity. The fact that he has been able to maintain any level of credibility whatsoever with any group of people in the United States demonstrates the gullibility of people who are willing to believe anything so long as it serves a partisan purpose. Just amazing, just amazing and terrible. So that is, that is certainly the thing that I hate today. Okay, final thing that I hate is it's actually a thing that I, I mildly dislike, but it's just it demonstrates the hypocrisy of the left. So Sports Illustrated is now featuring a woman named Halima Aden, who is making history as the first model to wear a hijab and a burkini for Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Now, listen, I don't care, frankly, if a woman wears a burkini. I don't care if she wears a hijab to go to the beach. You can wear whatever you want to go to the beach. You know, France has banned this sort of stuff. I don't think that's appropriate. I think you should be able to wear whatever dumb swimwear you want. I think you should be able to wear a, bur a bikini or a burkini. You're a, if you're a free human being, you get to choose what you wear. But Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is not a sales line for swimsuits. It is, it is a, it is, let's be frank about this. It is softcore pornography for the uninitiated. That's what Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is. 
was and always will be. And this attempt to pretend that it's all about female choice, that's really what Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is. It's really stupid. Okay, I was one of those guys. I'm one of the few people in America. I, I subscribed to Sports Illustrated for years until they became so overtly political I could no longer read their magazine. I used to read it cover to cover every single week for years. I was a subscriber for probably a decade. I was one of the few people who actually called up their number and unsubscribed from the swimsuit edition. You could do that and then get an extra issue. I'm one of the people who took advantage of that because it was obvious what the swimsuit edition was. I love that they're now recasting it as female empowerment. So it's, it's women in body paint, hot women in body paint, and then just a lady wearing a, swim, uh, a wetsuit, which is an interesting take. If you're gullible enough to believe the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition was ever about anything other than excitable teenage boys or men who are trying to have an excuse to look at women in lingerie or body paint, then you are out of your mind. So silly, silly Sports Illustrated. And if feminists fall for this, they are really dumb. They are really dumb. Okay, so we'll be back here a little bit later today with two additional hours. Plus, make sure that you are here tomorrow for the next episode of The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll see you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. I'm Michael Knowles, host of The Michael Knowles Show. CNN's Chris Cuomo defends Antifa. The mainstream media failed to report on a foiled Islamic terror plot. And leftists embrace the hijab. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 